What's up, y'all? It's Willie again. Um, back for another rant, another installment of of, of Willie's rants. Um, this rant is actually going to be about black politicians. I think now um, it's timely to kind of have this rant, especially given um, the recent election of uh, you know uh, Reverend uh, Doctor. Uh, Raphael Warnock out of the state of Georgia to represent the state of Georgia in the United States Senate, um, as well as um, the election of uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Um, I think now it's appropriate and especially important to have this discussion or to talk about black representation um, because I think we had a time where it's easy to kind of, it's easy to downplay, you know, um, what's going on in terms of black representation. And frankly, frankly, what I mean by that is I, I, I firmly believe that there's a black representational crisis, um, right now. Um, and I think there's been a black representation crisis since re- Reconstruction, frankly. Um, and after Reconstruction, when, you know, black representatives were purged out of the government, um, really, you know, I mean, you didn't have really, you didn't really have any black Democrats, given, you know, the history of the Democratic Party at that at, at, at that time, um, at least the recent history of the party at, at you know, during that time, I mean, because it was the party of slavery. So obviously, you know, uh, you know, black politicians and folks then wasn't trying to identify or align with a party that supported the enslavement of of their people not at least recently um not when it was recent history um but you had the persian of black folks from you know uh government and from you know the republican party frankly um as well after uh reconstruction and that's when you kind of had a you know black folks starting to Really, there being no party and then kind of with the New Deal creating some sort of, you know, black middle class, despite, you know, it's other discriminatory, um, you know, measures and practices that were inherent within it. Because don't get me wrong, the New Deal, while it did help some black folks, you know, it, it handicapped and oppressed a lot of other black folks, too. Um, but that did signal, you know, one of the kind of the beginning of when black started to black folks started to align um, with the Democratic Party, um, and really for the first time since uh, the, the slavery ended, and like I said, at that point, Republican Party was pushing Black folks out um, and starting to 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 care less about, um, if at all, about you know Black issues. And then you, you get into the '60s and Lyndon B. Johnson taking up the um, civil rights measures um, after the assassination of JFK, um, and you know. You know, a lot of civil rights organizations and activists working with, you know, uh, working within Democratic Party, uh, working within the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party's liberalism um, to get a lot of things achieved. And I think, uh, well, not even I think that's just what the history says um, about how you got a lot of, you know, black folks um, as Democrats. Um, But again, that's that's kind of besides the point. I had to give that little history rundown. Um, But. Again, uh, we've had this black representation crisis since the days of Reconstruction. 
Um, and perhaps, you know, today we might be in the brightest light or uh, the best place we've been since Reconstruction in terms of black representation. But we still ain't close to where we need to be. Not even because um, we talking about during Reconstruction when, you know, it was what nothing for the black um, to have a black lieutenant governor in a state. We can't even get a black governor today. You know what I'm saying? Um, Back then, it was nothing to have a black lieutenant governor, a black, you know, uh, on the Supreme, the state Supreme Court, a black majority in the state house, <laughs> um, you know, and having, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, black people representing the state, um, you know, in, in, in the Senate and so forth. Um, those levels are now just now being approached again um, at the national level, not at the at the state level. At the state level, again, we're not we're not close. The state level, we got a lot of work to do um, in terms of making sure black folks are represented. But regardless, I mean, it all goes back to the point again that we have a rep- black representational crisis. Um, and you know, Reverend Warnock, the election of Reverend Warnock and the election of of of, of VP Harris. VP elect Harris doesn't change um, that, but what I want to speak about more so in this um, kind of rant is recognizing this crisis because I don't think a lot of people do, um, and frankly, that has been one of my frustrations, you know, as a student of politics. Um, and as somebody that is real passionate about politics and real passionate about black politics specifically, um, you know, one thing that I've been struggling with or would have been frustrated with is, you know, um, I'll be honest. I mean, it comes from the criticism of these black politicians by black people, because in my view, it's like I get it now. I, I I I get holding our politicians and our leaders and whatever you want to call them accountable. I, I totally get that. That's absolutely necessary. What I don't get, however, basically is like the canceling, like the cancel culture behind it. Like the, you know, oh, Kamala Harris, yeah, she put black people in jail, so so bump her. Um, or Reverend Warnock is a neoliberal Democrat, so bump him. Um... It's like these these purity tests. And if they don't pass the purity test, it's just like screw them. And what makes it hard for me and frustrating for me is that, for one, black politicians don't have the same luxuries and the same opportunities and the same privileges as white politicians. It's the same thing. I mean, the same way racism operate in society where we talk about how the black, the black person got to work twice as hard or three times or four times as hard or I mean I know it's twice as hard to get half as much but I'm just you know I mean you get what I'm saying here it's the same thing in the political arena it's literally the same thing and the obstacles and so forth the barriers impediments that they got to go through on their journey the same way black folks in society got obstacles and barriers and so forth that they got to get through <clears throat> cough cough systemic racism it's the same thing 
<laughs> systemic you can't run away from systemic racism whether you in the political arena or whether you in everyday society it's still there and it's still a part of life and it's still something you got to reckon with and i don't think that that is factored or considered enough when we talk about black politicians or when we talk about their experience or talk about what they do or don't do again the criticism I mean, you need it. You got to be able to hold your leaders accountable, but you got to have that nuance in that criticism of recognizing, all right, you know, these people ain't in the same position as like a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Their job is, is harder. It is. Just given the fact that they're black. And if you don't want to consider Kamala Harris, um, Black in the in the uh, the descendants of slave descendants of American slaves since she's a person of color still, and she's still a part of the the um the African diaspora. So, I mean, because her parent her her father is Jamaican. I mean, she's also Asian American, but that doesn't take away the fact that her father's Jamaican and he's from Jamaica. You know, Jamaicans were enslaved as well. <laughs> you know, um. So I I just think that that's important um, to our analysis when we talk about black politicians, because uh, like I said, we're in the middle of a black representation crisis. We and it's easy to forget it because it's been going on for so long, but we can't forget it. Because it's crucial to our survival in this country. It's crucial to our political survival, our political advancement. Um, I mean, really, maybe not directly, but by extension, of course, it's directly tied to the political. But you know, indirectly, it's also tied to the economic and the and the social um, advancement of Black folks in this country. So, I, I just think it's important that we treat you know this issue with with, with care and that we talk about it. Um, in a nuanced fashion. Um, so with that being said, you know, even 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 with Obama too, man, um, I can't believe I ain't brought him up yet. But but him 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 as well, you know, being the first black president, you don't just get to hop up in there and and you know be the first black president because you're the first black president. You know what I'm saying? They're gonna try and make it, you know. Essentially, where there's no other black, there's not another, there's not a second black, black president because of what the first black president went through. You know? And there's a reason this country didn't elect um, a non-white president until it took them that long, until from, you know, the birth of the country. So, you know, whether you want to say it's 1776 or, or 1787, whether you want to start with the Declaration of Independence or the Constitutional Convention, to now, you know, I mean, with the 2008, it took that long, over 200 years, <laughs> over 200 years. So, of course, when he got up in there, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm finna be the first. I'm finna be the black president up in this piece. No, you're not. Not within this. Not within this political system. 
Not within these political institutions. Anybody ever heard of institutional racism? Systemic racism? So, I think it's just important to like factor all of these things in our analysis when we talk about you know, black politicians and we come after them and we criticize them. Again, the accountability is necessary. Absolutely. We need to stay on their behind about, you know, getting certain measures and stuff passed for the black community um, and the advancement of black folks. But at the same time, you know, when we criticize, we got to be fair. Like, you know, did they have support on this? You know, how, how, how feasible was this? Given the fact that they're a black politician in the sea, I repeat, a sea of white politicians. I think it's, it's, it's just hard, man. And um, I mean, also when you when it, I think it's hard to also analyze their mistakes, too, and their downfalls. So, for example, people like Kamala Harris, we look at her time as. Uh, district attorney and attorney general and you know her criminal justice record um, in California I think that's also hard to analyze and assess without taking in the fact that she was one of the only I, I don't I don't I don't know I really wish I had the exact thing of what it was but I think she was I, I want to say she was the only black woman uh district attorney at that at that time when she was district attorney and then uh, certainly attorney general she was the first black attorney general um in the state of california and the first black uh first black woman and i want to say that was true of the entire nation too at that time and being in that position ain't easy you know being a sole black person in the political system you know, where I put it to you like this. Let's say, and this is not, it's obviously not a real example, but I, it's going to help make this point. So let's say the government is made up of 15 people. Or let's say the criminal or the Kamala's department that she worked for, that she was the head of, is made, of, made up of 15 people, right? And it's one black person, her, and 14 other white folks. She's the head, though. So it's her, the one black person that's run that's over that's over everything, right? And then all of the other fourteen people that work for her, um, in you know, their respective positions, however you want to break that down, they're all white. So the people that are carrying out the everyday that she's delegating tasks to to go carry out are white folks. That's how the that's that's how this actually is though. You know what I'm saying? Now I I don't think it's, you know, a hundred percent where everybody, you know, besides them is white, but clearly, I mean, not clearly, but definitely a vast majority of them are. And like, that's something that we have to factor in, especially also when we're talking about like the presidency, like really any leader leadership position, uh, much of your task, much of your, um, uh, a large portion of your job is delegating tasks out to other people. And a lot of the time, these people that you delegating tasks to, especially if you're working in the political arena, they don't look like you. Again, which is also why we having another black representational crisis. And that's on another level. That's on a whole nother level, to be honest with you. Because now we're talking about basic staffers and people that work, you know, within, um, you know, these administrations and so forth. Like, we're not talking about elected positions now. 
Some are, but not all of them. And so we not just lacking on the electoral front, like we lacking on the appointment front too. And it ain't just, I mean, it ain't our doing, of course. You know, we've been barred, you know, from participating in these spaces. We've been kept out, shut out. We haven't been wanted, haven't been desired in these places. Been told to, to stay out. Been arrested, been violated, been, you know, had violence, um, violent acts committed against us to keep us out. You know? And certainly after a while it becomes it ain't no point if they're going to kill us for trying to get involved anyway. What the hell is the point in trying to get involved? So all of those are factors and reasons why. Not to mention other things that happen as a result of your oppression. Like, for example, a result of one result of, you know, the oppression of black folks in America is the fact that a large portion of. Um, of the black community not and I don't mean like a drastic portion where it's like oh like half black people are living in poverty but a sizable portion of black folks are living in poverty still and a lot of that has to do with the fact or uh, with the legacy of racial oppression and racial domination in America and that plays a role in folks ability to, to pursue higher office if you poor and you ain't got money like that and you're not breaking out of poverty, how are you going to run for political office? So it's not just things they do within the political arena in terms of voter suppression um, and other tactics to keep black folks from running for office that contribute to the black representational crisis. It's just other things. Hell, for example, <laughs> lack of access to health care kills people. People die from because they don't have access to health care. And this disproportionately impacts black people. If you got black folks dying, you can't have that. That's one black person that can't represent the, um, that can't represent the community. So all of these things are interconnected and have an impact on one another. Um, and contribute to the black representational crisis. But, and I know I've gone in a, a lot of different directions in this rant. Um, but just to bring it back home, I want the takeaway from this to just be that, like, you know, recognizing that we have a black representational crisis and that we are in dire need of black representatives. I think the history of this country has shown that, frankly, white representatives can't handle, you know, um, from a from a you know a political administration standpoint, they can't handle, you know, the task and you know political task and things that need to be done um, to advance the black community, you know, politically, economically, and socially. It's gonna take black people that do to do those things. And I mean, frankly, if you study the history of black political thought, this is pretty consistent. I mean, from the days of slavery to now. I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter who you read. Slaves wanted the right to vote so they could represent themselves, so they could represent because the, they knew what they experience was in slavery. None of the white folks in the country did. So they wanted to represent that experience themselves. It wasn't until people like Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman, you know, what I'm saying, began to speak out on the slave um, experience until um, that, you know, uh, abolition and stuff began to pick up steam and really get to get going in terms of like 
come into fruition, sojourn the truth in them, and so forth. Like they was also um, Lewis Hayden. They was also, you know, um, talking to, to to political officials like President Lincoln at the time. And if you don't think, I I, I think that that played a role. I mean, if you got somebody that actually lived through slavery, and you dealing with, you know, the political um, issue of slavery. And somebody that was actually enslaved comes and tells you about the horrors um, and the realities of it. I, I I would think that that would have some sort of impact too. But again, this is a person that comes exact comes directly from that experience. It's personal to them. It's nothing secondary. And you go. You know, all the way up, you go, you jump to the 60s, Dr. Martin Luther King. He was also somebody, him and Malcolm X both advocated uh, black folks representing themselves. You know, it doesn't matter who you study. It does not matter who you study. Black folks representing themselves has been a constant and persistent theme throughout black political thought. Um... And, you know, frankly, it's, it's needed more than ever today. It's needed more than ever today. If black representation wasn't necessary, we wouldn't be in this mess. We wouldn't be dealing with racism anymore. You know, white politicians that were in government, you know, throughout the history of this country would have already handled it. They would have already solved it. And frankly, there would be no need for black people to be in government if that would be the case. But obviously, that's not the case. And so I just think we need to recognize that there's a black representational crisis and that we need black representatives. And, you know, because of that, you know what I'm saying, we need to hold them accountable, no doubt. But we also need to apply, you know, analysis of the fact that they're trying to operate within the context of a black representational crisis. So that impacts them, too. That impacts their ability to provide you know what I'm saying? Representation for black folks. Because if it's only two of y'all on the inside, I mean, what can y'all do? Just to give you another quick story slash analogy, if it's 15 people, two of them black and the other 13 are white. And the black folks trying to, you know, get the group to issue a statement about reparations or a, 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 a statement in the pro in support and strong support about reparations, them two black people are going to have to explain every day. They're going to have to basically give a lesson, a lecture to all 13 of those white folks about why it's absolutely necessary. And they're going to have to find a way to kind of lead the charge on getting the, uh, the, 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 the reparations resolution out of that group. Good luck. Two versus thirteen, and I don't mean in a in a you know kind of like a conflict sense, but two people gotta persuade thirteen other people. Is it easier for two people to persuade thirteen other people, or thirteen people to persuade two people? And frankly, the thirteen people don't really gotta persuade the two people because they can just be they could just override them and silence them because it's only two people. This is what happens. In our government. This is what happens in the context of a black representational crisis. And so this is why we have this cycle of 
having black politicians, but them constantly not being able to do the things that we want them to do and the things we desire them to do and be these ideal politicians that we envision. And then, you know, we always end up criticizing them and saying, well, they didn't do this. And they was basically they just amounted to being a black face in government. And it's like. That take lacks now it's intellectually lazy in my opinion because it lacks deeper analysis of what their experience was and what might have led or played a role in their inability to provide that representation that we desire and that we that we want and i think you can apply this to people like Kamala Harris people like Obama and i think uh Reverend Warnock is going to be you know getting criticized as well um after after a while um, while he, after a while um, of him being, you know, a U.S. senator, um, certainly if, you know, if certain measures don't get passed that, that foes want. Um, but I just think you got to apply that analysis to it. And frankly, if you got, you know, energy, energy you want to channel into, you know, criticizing politicians. It's politicians for that, bro. <laughs> It's politicians for that that don't really have that same kind of contextual reasoning to fall back on as a reason why they, you know, were um, were able or weren't able to do something. And I just think that's something people should people should should give more thought to.